Claudia, did Diana get her lesson? Uh, Mama's got them. No, no, those are next week's. Mama Joyce has them. Morning, everybody. Let's uh, let's pray real quick for our service. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again this morning, Lord, just to thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord, just to, the opportunity to open your Word, Lord, and just to look at some verses and, and discuss them and learn from your Word, Lord, and, and Lord, I ask you that that these verses mean something and they change lives, Lord, they change my life, Lord, and change others' lives and. And just continue to be with us today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bye. All right. We're still uh, going on. And we're talking about walking by faith. And, and walking by walking by faith is, is uh, you know, you hear people talk about it, but it's really tough. I mean, you think about it. We're, we have faith in a, in a God we cannot see. And that's a, that's a tough place to be. Well, let's start off in, in John chapter 1, verse 18. John chapter 1, verse 18, you, you see the, the, the faith in a God you cannot see. That's Christianity. But you look at the rest of other religions, they have little wooden gods and stone gods and all kind of crazy gods that they can physically touch and bathe them in milk and brush them off and clean them and put them on a shelf. But that's their God that, that's going to take them straight to hell. We have a faith in a God that will take us to heaven. And that's what we're going to talk about today is, is we're going to continue talking about. Last week we, we started, we read most of the Hebrews chapter 11, uh, which was, you know, the, the considered the, the chapter of faith. <clears throat> so let's start off in John chapter 1 in verse 18. The Bible says, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bible says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And what we're talking about there, this is our faith. No man has seen God at any time. And, and faith reaches beyond the things that are seen in our lives. It goes to the, the unseen world, the spiritual world. And remember, faith is not by sight by a, a God that is seen. God is unseen. And that's where we have to really focus on is, is this faith. What do we have faith in? It's nothing physical. It's a spiritual faith, right? And this is the beginning of faith is, to, is when you get saved, you're having faith in a God you cannot see to give you a salvation that you can't see. We can't see salvation. He doesn't give it to us in a box, right? And that's faith in a God that you cannot see. But that same God is the one, the only God. The only God that can save you is one that you cannot see. And that's what we need to wrap our minds around, this faith. So the, the entire spiritual realm that, that is around us in this world, that's in heaven, that's everywhere, is unseen by the physical world today. You know, you have all these shows like Ghost Hunters and... And that's that's all magic and smoking mirrors. And, and and if they're serious about it, they're playing with demons. They're playing with the spiritual world, but they're playing with demons. And that's a dangerous place to be. OK, so let's look at Deuteronomy 29, 29 and start thinking about this faith in a guy that we cannot see. Deuteronomy 29, 29. <clears throat> the Bible says. 
The secret things, here we go, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the world's all the words of this law. So what are we talking about? This is God's sovereign plan, right? And you always you hear people say, well, you might not see the bigger picture, right? Well, in this sense, you don't see the bigger picture because it's spiritual. And we don't see God's sovereign plan, his plan for our life, his plan for everybody's lives around us, his plan for this world, his plan for everything. We don't see the bigger picture. We're only given what he reveals to us in his word. Okay? And that's spiritual. That's the spiritual realm. That's faith. So we have to have faith that God has a plan, right? I mean, you think about it. You go to work for somebody. You have to have, you know, some kind of faith that that employer has a plan for your future, you know. Or, or if you think about it, when you, if, you're, if you're in battle and you're in the, in the military, you, the soldiers have to have faith that their leaders, their sergeants and their generals or whatever's leading them, they have to have faith that those guys are going to make the right decisions, right? Not just tell them, eh, just grab a stick and run over that hill and see what's over there. You have to have faith, right? But we have a God that's unseen and his plan is unseen. We don't get to see that. Let's look at Roman, uh, Romans 11. Romans chapter 11. <clears throat> Romans chapter 11. In verse 33. Romans 11 in verse 33. Let's look at more about God. <clears throat> Romans 11, verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the, of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Okay? How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past finding out. What does that mean? That means that... that God's plan in your life, God's plan for this world, whatever God has planned in the long term, we cannot see it. We don't get to know that. He only gives us what we need to know on a very need to know basis. We probably if, if God would reveal that to us, we would probably lose our mind because we couldn't even understand it. OK, he's that amazing of a God. OK, so let's look at Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55. <clears throat> Isaiah 55 9 Isaiah 55 verse 9 the Bible says for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways that's God's ways right so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts what is that? That's, that's God telling us that his purposes, his intentions, his, his directions, everything he's doing, all his, his moving and controlling in this world and in, in the universe and in our lives. We don't get to see that. They're above us. We're down here in the physical. He's in the spiritual. And this is God's promise. That God's promises in our life, they're often unseen, Right? He doesn't give us a, a promise written on an IOU. No, his promises are spiritual, right? And they're spiritual in our lives until what? Until God decides to fulfill them. 
It's just like when you're praying for somebody. Maybe you're praying for your children or maybe a grandmother's praying for their grandchildren and they pray for years and years and years and years. That's a spiritual request to a spiritual God. And then one day that child breaks down and comes to the altar and gets saved or maybe an adult. That is the physical answer of a spiritual prayer, right? And that's the God. We have to have faith in a spiritual realm. And we hope <clears throat> we hope for these promises of God confidently, but but we can only we can't see faith with our eyes. We can only see when he fulfills them physically. And we cannot see things of eternity, right? We know we have mansions in heaven, but we can't see them. He doesn't send us an email saying, "Oh, here's a picture of your mansion." No, we know because Jesus Christ told us he goes to prepare a place for us in heaven. We have faith that he's doing that, right? And we cannot see God. We cannot see heaven. We cannot see angels. We can't see demons either because if we would, we'd probably be pretty scared, right? Well, the angels would probably scare us enough, right? And, and or we can't see anything that, that's redeemed in glory. We can't see the crowns of victory. We can't see harps of praise, Um but we have to have faith in them because God tells us in his word about them. That's faith, right? And, and what does this lead us to? It leads us to act in our lives in a way that we can see them, right? When you get saved, you get saved spiritually, but it's going to be seen physically in your life. Those are the fruits, right? We talked about the fruits of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit, spiritual. You will see physical changes in you. Once you get saved, and that is you're working on your faith, right? Let's go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. <clears throat> Hebrews eleven six. Hebrews 11, verse 6. The Bible says, but without faith, okay, we're talking about faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's all spiritual, right? That is all spiritual. That whole verse is talking about spiritual. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Who's him? God. It's impossible to please God without faith. He deals in the spiritual. He rewards us physically. And faith is required to believe in God. You had to have faith in God to get saved. Right? And, and to believe, believe in this God, you have to believe that he rewards those who seek him. That's what this verse is telling us. If you seek God spiritually... He not only rewards you spiritually, he will reward you physically. Okay? And, and we can affirm that, that the Christian belief is, is rational, right? It's not irrational. And it's based on evidence. Right? And yet, we can also insist that Christianity is a matter of faith. You're, you get saved through faith. Saving faith, right? And you have faith in a God you cannot see. But like and I told last week in my life, you know, we, we, we didn't even think about selling our home. But God sold it before we even thought about it. He brought somebody to us and said, we want to buy your house. He, he rewarded us physically. And we were like, okay. So we threw him an offer and I was like, they'll never go for this. And they came back, okay, I got the money, let's go. And within what, weeks? It was done. It was the fastest sell in history because God's a great realtor, right? That was faith, though. He did that before us. He just decided it was time for, for us to move. We used to call that old house the ark because it was huge and it was always under construction. I was always working on something, right? 
Right, Claudia? Building her a bathroom and, you know, whatever she wanted. But God moved it on and we saw that reward physically. Okay? And, and you look at, um, let's look at verse 7 there. We're talking about faith. Read, look at this. It says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, not fear of, of, of afraid, out of respect. He moved with respect. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house by that by the which he com- condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Okay, Noah. Think about Noah. Noah lived on this earth. He had his family. Everybody, there were other people around on the earth with him, right? It had never rained. Nobody knew what rain was. Here comes God. Hey, Noah, it's going to rain. It's going to do something it's never done on this earth. And it's going to do so much of it, it's going to flood. So I need to, you need to build an ark, a big old boat. Nobody had boats. Nobody knew how to build something that big. But yet Noah had faith in God. God told him something's going to happen physically. Get ready for it. Noah had faith. And was it 120 years he built the ark? And he preached and preached and preached and preached. And he built and he preached. You know, who led, God, uh, who led Noah's hands to build that ark? God. Noah didn't know how to do that. But he did it and it saved his family and saved humanity. Nobody else came on the ark but his family, right? But that is faith. That is, think about it, that's blind faith. You know, it never rains, but here it is. God says it's going to rain so much it's going to flood the whole earth, not just your street, right? So in many cases, we cannot prove uh, conclusively that the biblical claims are true, right? We can't prove a lot of stuff that the Bible says physically. We can prove them through faith because God told us they're going to happen. Now, we can look at things that he told us that are told in the past it's going to happen, and it came to pass. The prophecies that are fulfilled, right? He said his son was going to be born. He said his son was going to die on a cross. And he said his son in three days is going to arise. Guess what Jesus did? Okay? That's proof. That's evidence, right? In every worldview, if you're talking about the world, they require the element of faith, right? You think about even atheism, okay? It has to have some element of faith in it because they believe that there's no God, right? That's their belief. We believe there is one true God. So at the end of the day, who's right and who's wrong? Well, we have saving faith, so our faith will take us to heaven. Where's their faith going to take them? Okay, they have a blind faith. There's no proof that there is no God, right? There's no physical proof that there's no God, yet the atheists believe that. They put lock, stock, and barrel, everything they've got, all their eggs in one basket, that there is no God. How's it going to work out for them, right? It's going to be bad, right? So everybody has faith in something, okay? Let's look at Hebrews eleven thirty nine. The Bible says, and, and these all, having obtained a good report, right here, a good report through faith. And what is that report? It's a good testimony through faith. Receive not the promise. Okay. They saw, they saw that the promises were far off, right? Everybody we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, God gave them a promise and it, it was far off, you know, no 120 years before it rained, right? But God persuaded them through faith and, and he embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. They said, okay, this is not our home. Our home's in heaven. 
We're just here to do God's work while we're here, and we're going to do it through faith because I can't see this God. But he's given me spiritual promises, right? I mean, you look at Abraham and Sarah. It says she was well past the age of giving birth, right? And, and they both laughed. If you read the account, they both laughed at God. They're like, going to have a kid? No way. You know, and God said, oh, yeah, way. In fact, this kid is going to be the birth of the Hebrew nation. And you're going to have so many seeds, it's going to be more than the sands on the seashore or the stars in the sky. Have faith, right? I'm just hoping he doesn't come to me and say, hey, Keith, you're going to have another kid. You know, I have this truck, and every time I turn it off, it has a screen in there. And it, it goes ding, ding. And it says, don't forget to check your back seat. And it's a picture of a car seat. I'm hoping that's not a prophecy because that's scary. <laughs> but have faith, right? So <clears throat> that's what we're talking about is having this faith. So let's look at Hebrews 11.39. Do you already read that one? Yeah, we did. Okay, but we're talking about the patriarchs here. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, all of them, on and on and on. They exercise faith, and it talks about it in Hebrews chapter 11. They exercise their faith in various ways, right? But they didn't all receive the promise here physically. Okay? Let's look at Hebrews 11.10. Hebrews 11, verse 10. The Bible says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This is Abraham, right? He was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. How about that? If you, you know, you say, well, I've got, I'm going to move. God's telling me to move. Why don't you look for a city that has a foundation and that is a builder of God? You're probably not going to find it in this physical world, are you? No, they're all physical. They're worldly. He's looking for a city that's heaven. That's in heaven. He's looking for heaven. He's looking forward to when he dies and, and God resurrects him into heaven. That's the city that is the founder and builder is God. Okay. Hebrews eleven thirteen. Let's look at this one. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Those promises that God gives people sometimes are far off, right? But we're still persuaded of them. You have to have faith that God is going to answer that promise. He's given you a promise. You have to have faith in it. That's, your salvation is a promise. He promises to resurrect us into heaven, right? And embracing them and confessing them, you realize that you are not part of this world. You're a stranger here. You're just passing through here. We don't belong here if you're Christian, okay? And, and the patriarchs we're talking about, they live by faith. They trusted God's word. They live their lives acting on God's promises through faith, right? And these faithful servants, they should serve as models for us, right? Because they were steadfast. They endured hardships. They went through a lot of bad stuff, good stuff, but yet they followed Noah, 120 years, he preached. They laughed. He built the ark. God sealed it. And then they believed when the rain started, right? Too late. Let's go to Jude. Let's go to Jude chapter, well, the only chapter of Jude. Jude verse 3. Jude verse 3. The Bible says, 
Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So what's he talking about? He's talking about faith, right? And we see the, the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Jesus Christ taught the disciples, taught the apostles, and they taught others, and they spread the faith, right? And this is the faith of things that we cannot see. They were all preaching about things that we could not see. But God promised to them, and he also promises to us. So let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. We're going to look at three verses together, but we're going to talk about them. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. The Bible says, But what saith it? The world, the word is nigh, is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. He's talking about God's word. God's word is near you. God's word is in you. It's even in your mouth. Preach it. That's what they're preaching, right? That's what preachers preach. That's what Sunday school teachers. That's what you're preaching when you're witnessing to someone. Maybe you're also preaching by the way you live your life. But you're preaching something that you're teaching people about of faith. I can go talk to somebody about God in heaven, the almighty God in Jesus Christ that, that was on the earth and is now risen and gone to heaven. But I can't show them him. I can't take them over here and say, here he is. He's sitting right here. It's all by faith, right? Let's go to 1 Timothy 6.20. 1 Timothy 6.20. And this is a really, really good verse. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. What's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about to keep the faith, right? Trust in the faith. And what is he telling them to avoid? Vain babblings? That's empty talk. That's something that's not from God's word. Anything that's not from God's word, it's empty talk. So if people are teaching their opinion of the Bible, and a lot of cults do this, you have a guy that says, oh, God spoke to me, and I'm giving God's word to you. Well, what you're teaching me is not in God's word, the Bible, so that's empty words. They're vain. I'm running away from you. Okay? There's preachers this Sunday that will hold up their Bible and say, this is my Bible, but he won't open it. And he has no clue what's inside of it. Those are vain words coming out of that guy, right? Okay, he also says right there, it says, um, I love this, oppositions is a science, falsely so-called. That's evolution. Man is so, so determined to explain why we're here and how we got here in a physical sense that they have to come up with a lie called evolution. Okay? But by faith... We know it was creation, right? And it's so funny because the more science tries to prove that creation's wrong, the more they prove it's right. It's amazing. to I, I like to read those articles where a scientist has spent 20 years trying to oppose the Bible and he studied the Bible and he did all these scientific processes and it comes down to it and he goes, I got to say one thing. Creation was right. 
creation's true. And that's science right there. It's falsely accusing the Bible, right? Lovely verse. It's all about the world. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. The Holy Ghost, another part of the Trinity that we cannot see, yet God sent here to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us, to be with us, right? That's our conscience that's inside of us. It says the Holy Ghost inside of you. You know, well, when you get saved, did you, do you have to you cut a hole in your chest and, and, and stuff the Holy Ghost in there? No, he re, you received him. He came into you by faith. You can't see it, the Holy Ghost, but he's there. And our faith is, is that body of truth which makes up Christianity. It's all by faith. And it, it's what is deposited and entrusted to the church by faith. Our faith has limits, has limits or boundaries, which, which we call, you know, the fundamentals of our faith, right? For example, the most basic essential teaching of faith is without, Christi- without Christianity would not exist. How about salvation? Without Christ dying for our sins, there would be no salvation. How could you have it without a Savior? Okay? And, and if you deny any essential, any essential part of the Christian faith, then you're dying, denying the faith altogether. If you say you're a Christian and, you, and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, yet you believe evolution. Okay? What about if you're a Christian and you, you say you're a Christian, you go to church and you're saved and, and everything, but yet you're pro-choice. You're denying part of the faith. Right there. That's essential. That's essential to Christianity. And, and the faith, the essential fundamentals of, of our faith include such concepts as what? As the existence of God. His existence is only real, revealed to us in the Bible. He doesn't come down and tap you on the shoulder and say, oh, I'm the God you're supposed to be serving. Right? No. And, and the, the person and work of Christ. We can't see that. But it happened. Right? Salvation through grace by faith, you cannot see. It has to be faith. It has to be faith, right? The inspiration and authority of the Bible. We know this Bible was, was written by men that were led by God, by his inspiration. He didn't say, hey, I want you to write a Bible. Do what you want to do. Because it would have errors, right? It would have lots of errors, No, God inspired this Bible and he used men to write it physically. He inspired them spiritually through faith so they could write it physically. Okay, we have to believe that. So a wrong belief of one of these fundamentals places us, what? It places outside of faith, right? If you don't believe the Bible is the true word of God, you're outside the faith. If you're pro-choice, you're out. Evolution, you're out. Any of that. If you believe Christ, you know, didn't die, I mean, he died and he's still in the grave somewhere, you're out. If you believe that there wasn't six actual days of creation, like some Christians teach that those are ages. Well, we can prove that's wrong, but we'll go into that another day. But if you believe that's not six actual days, 24-hour periods, you're out. It's by faith, by faith. So let's look at Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2, 4. Very end of the Old Testament, guys. Habakkuk 
little bitty book. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just, right here, people love to quote this, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. That's the world versus Christians right there. Do you live worldly or do you live by faith? Do you truly live by faith? If you live by faith, because men are going to fail you. Men and women will fail you. You know, I fail my wife. My wife's going to fail me. Our children are going to fail us. God does not fail. Who do you have your faith in? You have your faith. Claudia has to put her faith in God that I will do the right thing. Not her faith in me that I will do the right thing. And when I do the wrong thing, God's going to hammer me. Right? But that's by faith. By faith. Let's look at Galatians 3.11. Galatians 3.11. Genesis. Genesis? Mm, I got three Galatians. Let me see. Y'all might be out of faith. Okay, Galatians 3.11. If I wrote Genesis in yours... That's because, you know, like I just told you, I'll make mistakes, right? Have faith. Have faith. It's Galatians 3.11. Man. Galatians 3.11 says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for they shall live by faith. They shall live by faith. We don't live by the sight of God. We are, we are justified not by the physical world, right? We're justified by faith. Faith in who? Faith in God. Faith that God saved you and that you will live forever with Christ. That's faith. You have to have faith in that. Let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says, Now, if the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Live by faith. And this is, what is all this living by faith? What is this called? We call this saving faith. Because you're saved through faith in a God that you cannot see. Your salvation is something you can't hold. You don't get a certificate. It's not in a box. It's through faith. Okay? The just shall live by faith. Saving faith is that attitude whereby we abandon all reliance on our own efforts. Right? And there's religions here that are working. They're working to get to heaven. Right? They got to go out every Saturday and knock doors and they got to be good. They got to pass out tracks and they got to, you know, I don't know, sweep the floor. I don't know what all they have to do. But they're working. That's physical. No, Christianity and salvation is by faith, by faith. We're, we obtain salvation by faith, by, by re reliance on, on, in, uh, of, of faith in God that he will save us. And, and whether we're, we're doing good works or not, and, and you know, there's any ethical goodness or anything else in us, it's faith, faith. Faith, right? And it, it, faith is an attitude and a complete trust in Christ. If you don't have a complete trust in Christ for every aspect of your life, 
from salvation on, from the day you get saved on, you have to have trust in Christ through the good times and through the bad. Trust and faith in Christ. Okay? That means you rely on Him and Him alone. You, you know, Claudia can't rely on me for, you know, for, for her salvation. She can rely on me to, you know, go to work and get a job and, and keep a job and keep her in a house. You know, that's physical. You have to rely on Christ. When things go bad, you, look to, you might look to your husband or wife to, to be there for you, but your reliance has to be on Christ. He's the one that's going to get you through that. Because as we've talk, talked about before, he's already there. He's already beyond the problem. He's already fixed the problem. He's just waiting on you to catch up. That's faith. Christ and Christ alone is what we put our faith in. And this, is, this is, goes back to the basis of salvation. How can you be saved if you have no faith? You can't. Genuine saving faith is a personal attachment to Christ. And it, the best is, is the combination of two ideas. It's the reliance on Christ and the commitment to Christ. You have to rely on Christ faithfully. You have to be committed to Christ faithfully. Mom, are you watching the time? I'm not. So, the saving faith. Saving faith involves personally depending on what? On the finished work of Christ. You have to depend on the faith. You have to have faith that Christ was born of a virgin. He lived on this, this earth. And he had a little short ministry for about three years. And then he died on a cross. And you have to have that by faith. He died on a cross. And, and some of the people that were here actually got to see that. They got to see him being born. We have the account, right? We have the account of his ministry. We have the account of his life. We have the account of his death on a cross. It was all physical. But here comes faith. He said in three days, I will rise up. This temple will be rebuilt and I'm gone. And guess what Christ did? In three days he arose and that grave was empty and the world really hated that because what did they do? They put Roman soldiers, Roman soldiers at the, at the, the toughest dudes of the time to guard that tomb. And they put a huge stone on there and they sealed it. I don't know what they sealed it with, maybe with a JB weld or something, but they welded that door shut because they didn't want Christ to arise. And guess what? He did. The stone was moved, the seal was broken, the Roman soldiers lost their mind. Right. And they even came back and told him the, the powers that be. They said, he's gone. He's out of here. And we saw an angel. A lot of them, you know, they, they saw the angel said, hey, what are you looking for? We're looking for Christ. He's gone. He's gone. Look in the tomb. He's gone. And then what did the world try to do? They said, pay off the soldiers so they don't ever say anything. That's the way the world works. Right. They have no faith in the spiritual. But physically, we're going to throw you some cash. Shut your mouth and leave. Because we don't want you to run your mouth and tell the world that Christ arose and he kept his word. And now all these Christians have faith because he arose. What would that start? Man, that might start a, play, a thing called Christianity, right? Might kick it off. Well, it did. Too bad. So we're talking about the saving faith is depending on the finished work of Christ is the only basis for our forgiveness of our sin, right? And it's the only basis for our entrance into heaven one day. That's it. There's no other way in there. But saving faith is also a personal commitment to one's life following Christ in obedience to his commands. What does all that mean? That's simple. Submit to God. Submit to God. If you can't submit to God, you have no faith. 
Okay? What does it mean? It means this word right here, God's word, if it tells you that you need to drive a purple truck, then you better go get a purple truck. Okay? If it's in God's word and he tells you to do it, do it. Because it's by faith. By faith. Okay? So, we're obviously... We don't need to follow a thing called easy believism. And I, I, I've heard this term, but never really looked it up. But I, I found it and I started looking at it. Easy, easy believism. Okay. What that is, it, it's a kind of a derogatory term uh, used by people that, that oppose Christianity. Okay. They use it as a derogatory term for fundamental independent Baptist churches. Because we believe this is God's word. We believe every word in here is God's word. And we believe we're supposed to follow every word in this, this Bible by faith, right? Well, they don't. They believe it. And they, they use it as, as, like I said, they use it as a kind of derogatory term to mean that, that you only, the one only needs to believe in Jesus in order to be saved. Easy believism doesn't believe that. They think there's many ways to get to heaven. You know? I mean, Oprah probably has like 444,000 ways to get to heaven. And that's what she's telling people. Look at, look at the churches today, you know. Just be a good person. God knows your heart. Really? There's some churches out there that teach we're all children of God. and we're all, cre- we're all creations of God. You're not a child of God until you have what? Faith. Faith that Jesus Christ died for you. Faith that you will put all your faith in him for everything, for the good times, for the bad times. And then that you follow him. That you actually have faith in him to follow him. If you don't obey this word, you're not, you're not faithful. It's as simple as that, right? So that's what easy believism is, okay? Well, let's go to one more verse. John chapter 6, verse 44. John 6, verse 44. John 6, verse 44 says, and this was Jesus Christ talking to us. So listen to the words. No man can come to me except the Father who hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. That is faith. That is saving faith right there. Saving faith is the, the, is the act of the sinner being drawn by God. God draws the sinner to him through faith, right? And then through faith, he, they're enabled to believe in God. So now they have a belief. And there's a verse in here that says, even Satan and his little demons believe in God, but they tremble. How many people live their life, maybe they went to church, maybe they don't, maybe they claim to be a Christian, and they think they do what they want and they don't have no remorse. They live knowing there's a God that they're going to face one day, but they have no fear of him. The demons even tremble at God. So it's more than just a belief in God, right? No, you have to have faith, right? And you must have faith that Jesus Christ died for you. And this enables you to, to believe that he died for you. But the individual must also exercise faith on their own. Yeah. 
It can't be faith that I give you. It can't be faith that a pastor comes out here and let me say a prayer with you. Repeat after me. That's not faith. That is not faith. And furthermore, it's Christ who saves you, not faith. You have faith in Christ, but faith doesn't save you. Christ saves you. Okay? And that means that faith, it means that that's that's the way Christ finished his work of redemption. And it's applied to a sinner is through faith. You come to Christ in faith. You believe in a God you cannot see through faith. You get saved through faith. Now you live your life through faith. It's all about faith. And it's all about the spiritual realm. We can't see it. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, just to thank you for this moment, just to open your word and maybe have a a more complete understanding of faith, Lord, and how many people in this world just use it as just a, a, a empty word, Lord. And, and, and it's very serious, Lord. Everything, everything about Christianity is based on faith, our salvation, our, our drawing to you, Lord, our, 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 just the way we live and, and the way we rely on you. And Lord, just everything is about faith in a God that we cannot see in a realm that's spiritual that we cannot see, Lord. And I ask you to help us understand this, Lord. Help us apply this to our lives. And Lord, if there's, no, there's someone here that doesn't know you, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that through faith they come to you today, Lord. God, I ask you also to be with us the rest of this day as we continue to hear, hear your word and preaching and, and, and we praise and worship you, Lord. And, and we do all this through faith, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.